3: Hey guys, welcome back to Thick and Thin with me, Katie Bilotti. Hope you all are doing well. This has been a positively chaotic week for me. I'm not sure how you guys are doing on your end of the world, but or your corner of the world. But it's been stressful only because we're gearing up for a holiday weekend here in the US. So with Memorial Day looming, I know I want to get as much done before then just because. You never know. I might be like away from my computer. Well, obviously, but away from my phone. I want to make sure all my clients are happy, the people that I do consulting work for, and my emails are kind of taken care of. But right now, they are piled up like no one's business. I have so many emails, so many things to go through. So here's hoping I can just power through knowing I'll have some relaxing, fun time this weekend. I'm going home to Maryland, so I'll be with my parents but also I'm bringing two of my friends with me. And I was saying on my other podcast, Match Made, which is going to go live on Friday morning as it does, but we talked about it briefly that we're in this part of our lives now, or at least I am, where my friends and my parents can like get along and hang and we can drink together. And it's not like I'm sneaking around to do you know things that my parents won't agree with, like binge drinking and stuff. Like, Not that I'm a binge drinker, But my parents are now like on the same wavelength of wanting to have a good time. And we were talking about going out to the bars this weekend in Maryland. And my parents are like, can we come with you? And I'm not embarrassed by the fact that like my parents want to come. Like it's honestly just like fun because my parents can hang. I've decided I need to be one of those parents that can hang and like Be one of the friends and go to the bars or have a party and be normal Like I really really hope that I can be that way But who the heck knows how things are going to evolve in terms of what's cool I just hope I can stay with it. But anyway, that is what's to come for me memorial day weekend But up until then I am nose to the grindstone trying to work through my emails I was at a shoot all morning for one of my clients my fashion client We were shooting resort And fall styles for this year, but yeah. Wait, this year? I'm like losing track of the years. I truly, truly all the time still say it's 2021. Some part of my mind think it's still 2021. So I need to get that through my head. Maybe I'll get it down by the time this year is over. But anyway, I was out in Brooklyn shooting, and it really brought me back to the days when I was in my corporate role at L'Oreal. And was shooting models all the time and being back and hearing the familiar sounds of set, like when you shoot a photo, there's this like one sound that it makes when you shoot a photo. And it just brought so much back in me. I was instantly teleported back to my corporate days. But... It was kind of a good moment for me because I left the corporate world on purpose. I really wanted to have a more fluid life of choosing projects or having different clients and the ability to do a bunch of different things in a day and not just like the same thing every single day. And I can confidently say I'm doing that. I'm living that dream that I had for myself. But I will say even when you accomplish that and realize that you're in the space that you always imagined yourself or doing those things that you always imagined doing and you finally realize that you're living it, you still have anxieties about other things. I'm just convinced it never stops. Like you always think you can be doing something different or something better. And even if you've kind of checked all the boxes in terms of like your dream, there's still going to be another dream. Realizing that has been good for me, but it also stresses me out because I'm like, when does it end? When will I sit with what I have and just be grateful? And that's it. And I try to focus on that. I try to choose to be grateful every single day and just focus on what I have done and not what I can possibly do or I should be doing. I feel like this really layers into a lot of the podcast episodes I've been putting out recently. But anyway, I was on set in Brooklyn. It was really nice to be creative in that way again. I really do love being on set. I am not so great. I've learned over the years at the actual production element in terms of like being behind the camera, actually pushing the button and stuff like that. I've wanted, I've tried really hard to be a good photographer, but. I don't think I have the patience for it. I really my heart goes out to every person who has taken the time to understand how to use a camera properly. That I love having someone on set that knows how to do that stuff and like is the production and I am more the creative direction. That is what I love. I mean, I was on set as I do social media managing and strategy for the fashion brand. So that was what I was there for. I was capturing behind the scenes content. But it was nice to be able to give my input on clothes because I do enjoy fashion. And I think it's just all about doing a little thing here and there that makes your heart happy and trying to figure out how to monetize that, how trying to figure out how to make that a part of your day to day or your job. And I think that's the ticket, which is hard because a lot of these industries, if you don't have the experience to get yourself in the door, the door is often closed. So it is tough. I was thinking about that when I was on set today. I mean, I guess every single experience I've had leading up to what I'm doing now as a consultant slash influencer slash whatever I am has kind of paved the way and given me the credentials. But I think a lot of it has been me kind of talking myself into situations, kind of like being my own hype woman And sharing my skills in a way that hasn't been like super vain and showy, but just kind of slipping in here and there that I have experience in these ways. I think that's the craziest thing about being a professional adult is having to find a way to brag about yourself without bragging about yourself. Being confident in your abilities, but not being overly showy. And it's such a fine line and I often feel like even when I'm not being super Over the top and obsessed with myself. When I am sharing these things, I still do feel a little sinking feeling of, Katie, you're bragging. Stop it. Like, stop talking about yourself. I feel like I was raised in this way to ask other people questions about themselves and to really focus on other people and not myself which is just how I was raised and so it'll always feel a bit foreign and weird to me you know when I'm trying to share my skills like it's very hard i think a lot of times it's easiest to show your skills versus talk about them if you've something physical to show like for me i set up my portfolio website i have my separate instagram account for my design stuff i think that's a good way to show that you have skill without Overly explaining it. I don't know. I'm kind of going off on a tangent because <laughs> I, I have somewhere I want to go with this. I don't really remember where I was going with this. So I'm just going to cut to the main idea of this episode. Okay. The main, the main meat that I want to discuss. And it is a question. It is a question that has been on my mind for some time now. If you guys have listened to the past few episodes, it's kind of, all the episodes have kind of led up to this. And I just recently came to the conclusion that this is like the big question, the big idea that I need to figure out. Like I need to wrap my mind around it. And I'm sure there's a lot of you guys out there who also wrestle with this. Okay, drum roll please. This is the question that has been kind of on the tip of my tongue for a while. How do I know if I am truly happy and satisfied, or if I'm just making the best out of a situation that I'm in. I wrote this down in my notes in all caps. Okay, two options here. Like, am I happy and satisfied in my work, in who I'm dating, in where I'm living, or am I just making the best out of a situation that I'm in? That classic thing that I feel like a lot of us, especially if you are or have been a young girl, I feel like a lot of the time I was taught to make the most out of it, make the best out of it. I might not be totally happy, but it is what it is. Like I didn't like school, and especially when I was young and really, really shy, I got kind of pushed around at school, and I would come home and talk to my mom about it, and she would always say, you know, just get through this, you'll get to college, and you'll get a job, and you'll be so, so happy, you just have to get through this, okay, so there's certain times in my life where I've really focused on that, like knowing that I'm not totally, totally, totally obsessed with where I am or what I'm doing, but I know or I think I know or I kind of hope, wishful thinking that eventually like doing this thing will lead me to where I want to be. You kind of have to just suck it up for a bit and then the good stuff will come. But I think a lot of times we think that or we we assume that's going to happen or we hope so, so much. And when it's been a few years and it's still not happening and you still feel a bit miserable most of the time in what you're doing, it ends up not really being brave. It's kind of – it's self-sabotage behavior to not get yourself out of a situation where you're constantly just making the best out of it. But sometimes it's hard to know if you're doing that, okay? Because it's not like, okay, once I've done this thing for – this exact number of days, then I'll know if I'm happy or not. I feel like a lot of us just hang on to uncomfortable situations just because we don't want to rock the boat. We don't want to quit that job because it's uncomfortable and who wants to have that conversation? So things like that. And I feel like a lot of us have learned, especially from that young age, especially if you were a young girl at one time, that suppression means survival. Kind of just letting those feelings sink low, low, low in you so much so that you don't really think about them, not letting things get to us or affect us too much, even if we know that we were actually hurt by this and we are continuously being hurt by this, if we're in a toxic relationship or we're in a toxic work environment or have a toxic friendship. And I think toxic might even be the wrong word because sometimes I think it's harder when it isn't super glaringly painful of a situation it just kind of sucks a little bit like it's just not right and we know it but we think that if we just hang on a bit longer things will get better you know conceal don't feel as elsa from frozen puts it
0: today's episode is brought to you by angie When you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit angie.com that's a n g i . c o m.
1: You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well, inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this
3: when you Angie that. So that is the question. That is like the main headline of what I want to talk about today. But I want to also talk about social media and how it makes this whole question so much harder to answer. Because on social media, I've kind of come to the conclusion that a lot of us think that we're seeing a lot of 100%. And when I say 100%, this like makes sense in my mind, but maybe it doesn't make sense when you're listening. We think we see, or I guess we do see a lot of other people making choices for themselves. We hear how they're speaking about these choices. So like, I met this amazing guy I'm in love or like whatever, or I have this amazing new job and I'm so excited. We see the long paragraphs of people talking about their new life chapter and they seem so sure about it. Okay. They seem so a hundred percent about it. We see this pretty picture that they paint for us in a, a carousel of images and we assume, okay, this person is hundred percent happy with this choice they've made. They're so sure of themselves in this choice. They're so confident and we believe by viewing these other people's choices, I mean, strangers and also people that we know well, people we went to college with, maybe even some of our friends that we don't speak to deeply all the time. We view this information. We maybe talk about it in our group chat or talk about it with our friends. And we're like, wow, that person seems so happy in this choice. And you know, we we really think like, oh, this person seems 100% sure. And we see that. And I think social media definitely makes it harder for us to figure out like, Is this person totally 100% sure and happy or is there maybe a percentage of them that is freaking out inside? Because that's how I feel when I make any decision. I feel like I'm so sure about it and I really am happy. But then I, the little voice in my head is like, Katie, are you fully happy with that decision? And once it sinks in, once you take that new job or you start that new relationship, there starts to be little things that maybe give you a bit of doubt. And I mean, at least this is personally how I feel. I'm, I'm not sure if everyone feels this way. But, you know, it's one of those things where are we ever positive that we've made the exactly right, right, in quotes, decision? Or do we just kind of hope that it's a better decision than another one that we might have decided to make instead? And I think what makes it hard for us to figure it out, and by figure it out, I mean differentiating between I'm happy and satisfied and I'm just making the best out of the situation that I'm in and trying to be positive, though I might not be entirely happy about it all the time. What makes it hard is actually a few things. It's the unknown. I think the unknown is the biggest part. The unknown of just not knowing what might be better for us. Like if I choose to move to New York City, the unknown of all the other places in the world that I could potentially be, one. But it's also us not wanting to be overly dramatic about something that just isn't that bad. I always think this is just something that constantly sinks into my mind. I always think, well, you know, it could be worse. I could be somewhere else that, you know, I just, I should be grateful. I should stop picturing myself somewhere else doing something else when what I have right here is perfectly fine 70% of the time or maybe less than that. I don't know. I feel like I really am 50-50 with how I feel about things every single day. I have really amazing good days where I love New York City and I love my consulting work and I love, love, love everything. But then there's days where I'm like, this was the worst decision ever. I am lonely in this city. I feel like everyone hates me and I'm (laughs) really sad. And it really is just a boomerang or what do you call it? Like a pendulum back and forth between these two emotions. And I think that's totally, totally normal. I'm just one of those things where I'm not constantly miserable or overwhelmingly sad. I'm just occasionally miserable generally a bit confused, sometimes sad, but not overwhelmingly sad to the point where I just need to escape my current life immediately, which I think I talked about last episode. I was talking about how I just want to move to the middle of nowhere and like live in a cottage without social media. (laughs) And my friend Adam was actually listening to my last episode, which I always forget that my friends like occasionally listen to my episodes and I feel the need to like let them know that I'm okay. I'm just being super, super honest with you guys. I've always been. I feel like you guys are my safe people. But Adam was listening to the last episode and he texts me. He's like, I'm listening to you right now talk about moving out of the city to a cottage in the middle of nowhere. Like, are you okay?" And I'm like, I'm okay." But sometimes it creeps in and it's just kind of a gentle nagging, a gentle nagging. That's like what I would consider it of. Am I happy or am I just settling? Am I just hanging on because it could be worse and I should be grateful? So it's just a constant stress in my mind, but one that I think I need to let go of a bit because I just need to realize that though a lot of people on social media give that 100% – and I don't think they do it on purpose. I don't think anyone does it on purpose. I think they're kind of in a way trying to convince themselves that it was the right choice and they just want everyone to know that they're confident even if they don't entirely feel that way all the time. But anyway, I believe actually – so I wrote this down also – Um, I'm pretty positive it was Jordana Abraham who – she's from Betches. If you guys know Betches Media, she does a podcast. Um, I think she actually has more than one. She has two podcasts that I know of. She has You Up and then I think Overshare – Oversharing? I don't remember. It's a new one that she has. But she said this thing, I'm pretty sure. She said, it's dealing with the devil that you know versus the devil that you don't know. And I'm sure this is like a well-known phrase, but the way that I took it was the devil that you know is kind of like you're living your own life, you're doing these things, you make these choices. It's something that's bothering you in your current life, but you're very aware of it. So if you are living and working in a job that you don't totally love, you have like a really problematic coworker, that's the devil you know. The devil you know is dealing with that horrible coworker every single day, but – The devil you don't know is, like I said earlier, the unknown. So the possibility of changing jobs and maybe getting an even worse coworker to deal with. Okay? That's the devil you don't know. So it's kind of the great dilemma of dealing with maybe the current things in your life that aren't amazing or the things that you could choose to live with, but you just don't know what it would be like. You don't know what it would be like to step into a new job or a new relationship. You just don't because that's... That's the human problem of the unknown. You just don't know what would happen if you made different choices. You kind of just have to make different choices and see what happens. So, th- gosh, that's been like a whole, I've been really talking today, haven't I? This has been just a really intellectual episode. I do want to say, obviously, privilege pays into a lot of this because it truly could be worse for a lot of us, okay? It truly could be, but that doesn't mean that it's any less painful to deal with the what-ifs in your current life. That's just what I will say about that. But like I said before, I'm not, like I said, constantly miserable, overwhelmingly sad. I'm just unsure at the end of the day. It feels like I'm someone who needs contacts and I'm kind of looking at my life, straining my eyeballs without any contacts in and it's kind of blurry at the moment. Like I just can't figure out, is this right? Is it not? I'm happy, I would say most of the time, but then there's also times where I'm not happy. But I don't know, the people out there that say if you love the job that you're in, you'll never work a day in your life, I just don't think that's at all true. I think I talked about this last episode. I'm getting like weird deja vu vibes, but it does kind of play into that. So I guess I'm just feeling a bit overwhelmed. And I think a lot of the overwhelming feelings have kind of come from all the change that's happening in the world, but also in my industry, because I've been doing social media as a job now for, or making money from social media for like a decade, okay? It's been a long time. I've been creating media on the internet, talking to a camera, a microphone, something, and putting it on the internet for everyone to look at. I've been doing that for a very long time. And yet in the past couple of years, things have shifted just in such a way that I never saw coming. Like, I've been so focused on long-form content, making long YouTube videos. People always tell me to make my YouTube videos longer. I mean, I haven't made a YouTube video in a little bit. I'm trying to film one today if I have time. But I've been focusing on this one form of content. And then TikTok comes along and really shakes things up. And new people are becoming famous for things every single day. And it's so hard to keep up. Like, my friends will constantly be like, oh, did you see so-and-so's video on TikTok? And I'm like, who? And they're like, Katie, this girl has like 7 million followers. How have you not seen her? And I'm like, everyone, there's so many people with like 7 million followers now. You truly can't catch up or keep up. Like I remember a time on YouTube when there was a few, probably like 10, 15 huge creators like Michelle Phan and... I guess Jenna Marbles and like those, and those were like the huge ones, all the British people that I loved and was obsessed with, like Zoella, I was obsessed with her, like would buy everything she talked about. And now, as people would say, the industry is so saturated and it's just hard to keep up. And it makes you feel like you constantly need to shift and change and like it's overwhelming. It makes me think all the time, is this, am I happy in this industry? Would it be better to be in an industry that maybe doesn't change so much? But then I realized when I talk to my friends who are in so many different industries, who are in finance, in sales, in print media, in just all sorts of things, product development, stuff like that, I realize that there's change in every single industry. And you're constantly having to keep up. I mean, in print industry, for example, like people are struggling to keep print alive and magazines are constantly, every five seconds I'm seeing a new magazine that's just going digital. And as technology evolves, everyone's going to be thrown for a loop and having just to try to keep up and do the best they can. And that's really all you can do. But I think I'm just a total perfectionist. And it just makes me think fondly of the days when I was in school and like, I'm talking elementary school, I'm picturing in my head right now, the playground at my elementary school had this like bright yellow slide and everything was navy blue and yellow. I don't know why playgrounds were like that, but I don't know. That's just what I picture in my head. And I remember those days of when There was just various things I was trying, hobbies, and I was encouraged to do those things. And I was encouraged to almost like be bad at those things too. It was totally fine. Angie's list is now Angie. And we've heard a lot of theories about why.
2: I thought it was an eco move.
1: Fewer words, less
2: paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today.
1: Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13.
2: This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com tech.
3: Like, I don't know if everyone had this, or at least in the U.S., like we were forced to choose an instrument in elementary school or was it elementary or middle? One of those, okay, like lower schooling, we had to choose an instrument and we had to try it. Like we had to play it. It could be strings. It could be, what's the opposite of strings? Oh gosh, everyone's gonna be mad at me for this one. (laughs) Like, you know, like, uh, is it brass? Strings and, okay, whatever, you know what I mean. Like the trumpet or the flute, things like that, okay? You chose an instrument and you had to do it. And it was a part of like our curriculum. And I was so bad at the violin, so horrible, like extremely bad. Whenever I tried to practice at home, my mom, I was just exiled. So, but it was okay. It was okay if you were bad at something. It was okay if you needed some extra time to catch up and you didn't feel this horrible pit in your stomach, or at least, I mean, maybe I did because I was a bit of a perfectionist even then, but it isn't so crushing to be bad and need time to figure it out. Okay. We had time to grow and to learn. And it was almost encouraged to take your time. And you were told all the time, whenever I tried to dress like older and I really wanted to be older and be able to shave my legs and be a woman, my mom was always like, don't grow up too quickly. Take your time. Be a kid. Savor it. Go out and run after the ice cream truck and play jump rope in the middle of the street. Wear like funny outfits, like wear little jean skirts over leggings and t-shirts with tank tops on top and it doesn't have to be so serious. But now I feel like everything feels so urgent and so binding. And so like, if I don't do this right now, I'm wasting my time. I need to work my way up to the next step. I need to start my own company because everyone talks about that as your next step. And like, I need to make all this stuff and sell it. And you know, it just feels so stressful and like I need to be in a million places at once. I need to be meticulously organized and figured out. I need to have my niche, like my thing, at least on the internet. Like I feel like everyone talks about having your niche, having that thing you start and you do and that's your series and people know you for it, at least on TikTok. I feel like my favorite creators on TikTok kind of have like a niche thing and I'm obsessed with them for it. But you can't be too niche because then people will get bored of you and move on to something else. And it's just a lot. Okay, like I feel that pressure to be 100%. Like we talked about earlier, like no room for anything less than 100% in, 100% confident. And it it can be really overwhelming. It can be very overwhelming. I struggle with the 100% of it all having that stick of something I'm so confident in, but being resilient and ever changing and never messing up, never doing anything wrong. And I feel like a lot of people can apply that to various different careers. You always feel the pressure to keep up and to be so sure about what you're doing. But I have a suspicion that all the 100% so that you see on social media of people that seem so sure and so confident and so happy, those people aren't entirely 100% all the time. And I mean, I... From a social media creator perspective, I really can't offer much else other than my freelance work, but I often, as a social media creator, go to other people's pages and I see their consistent, thematically beautiful, similar, like they have such a vibe to them posts and their numbers just like soaring and I think this should be me. I should figure out my consistent thing. I need to be more consistent and not all over the place. But that's just not really the nature of like who I am. I feel like I'm always – Changing. I'm sometimes really obsessed with YouTube, sometimes really obsessed with Instagram, sometimes really obsessed with freelance. And right now I'm just kind of in my freelance vibe and really loving my consulting work. So I don't know. I just, I have a lot of heavy feelings as of late, I guess, is kind of, and I'm debating this question in my mind like, am I happy? I made a whole episode about this last week. Like, am I happy? Am I satisfied? Or am I just making the best of it? even though my situation is really great and I feel constantly guilty for having any sort of sadness or fear when I live in such an amazing life. So anyway, that is just like my question of the episode. And it kind of actually leads into this story that I have from history a little bit. You guys know I used to really lean into history stuff. I've been dialing it back a bit to be more personal recently. I hope you guys enjoy that. I've been getting some good feedback about that. But I did mention this on Instagram and a lot of you guys DM me And we're like, I can see a thick and thin episode about this. So I obviously wanted to bring it up. But there was this thing that I saw on TikTok last week. Or I guess, when was that? Monday? Feels like last week. It's been a really long week so far. About the last telephone booth being removed from the city. And I found out that it was kind of true, kind of not. It was the last publicly funded and owned telephone booth. Okay, like a public one that is funded by the city. It's kind of confusing because I had people DM me saying they still have telephone booths where they are. So I guess this one was just like the last one that the city funded and it wasn't put in privately. I really don't know what the situation is, but just the, the, the principle, okay, of the last telephone booth being plucked from where it sat near Times Square. It was kind of an emotional thing because just telephone booths becoming obsolete in the city it just makes you think about how little of time actually that they were there and already plucked and replaced with cell phones and replaced with people being able to make calls from anywhere they are unless maybe you're under in the subway and like you've no reception so but i actually did some research and i found some late night google search research that the first outdoor payphone booths were installed in the city in 1905 And by 1925, 25,000 of them existed in the city alone. And while I was digging, I also found that there was this old photo that exists. You should look it up. It's a very interesting picture, the irony of the photo, because it's this man named Martin Cooper. And he's standing there in his suit, like a businessman. He's standing in front of a payphone booth. Like The payphone booth is kind of behind him. But it's very much there. And there's one person standing in front of the payphone booth, one person waiting behind them to make a call. Like, it's clearly a popular vehicle, okay? And Martin Cooper is standing in the forefront of the photo. He's in front of the booth holding a massive device up to his ear, which, as you might guess, was the first handheld cellular phone. So Martin Cooper, the guy who's holding the phone, he was a Motorola engineer. And he made the very first phone call on that massive cellular phone, on April 3rd, 1973, and he was walking between 53rd and 54th Street on 6th Avenue, which actually is dangerously close to where I used to live, so I know the area well, and he was just walking between these two streets on this phone and making a phone call, and the phone call that he made was allegedly, this is also an interesting detail, to Dr. Joel Engel of Bell Labs, who was actually his rival. I don't know if that's true, but. That would be funny. Like he calls, like the first call he makes is to his rival, like to let them know that he did it. And when I was first considering all this, like the the last telephone booth supposedly being taken from New York City, I instantly thought of Sex in the City and I thought of Carrie because she constantly was using payphones because she didn't have a cell phone for like a very long time, which is actually appalling. Um, I mean, I know it was the time, but Carrie was like the last character to get a cell phone, I feel like. I mean, she was always relying on her answering machine and stuff. But I remember this one scene in season six of Sex and the City and she kept going on in her dramatic way about how she's wearing the worst outfit ever. And she saw Berger. It's when she's with Miranda. Miranda's talking about like an actual big issue in her life and Carrie's like, oh my god, my outfit. Like classic Carrie not being a good friend. But that's a whole other subject. But she runs away from Berger. Because she doesn't want him to see her in her bad outfit, but then she runs into Aiden, who has a baby around his neck or whatever, and she realizes, like, oh, you know what, I gotta call Berger, so she runs after seeing Aiden and goes and calls him on the payphone, and I remember, like, the Verizon payphone product placement, and... It's just actually crazy, kind of going back to what I just said about like the lack of cell phones and Sex and the City. Just if you watch the scenes and just specifically think about that and see the street scenes of people just walking without a phone to their ear, they're just – in the like the early seasons especially – in like season one and two, you see like the street shots and people are just walking and aren't on their phones, aren't checking their email, aren't talking to people. They're just walking from point A to point B, knowing that when they get to where they're going, when they get to their office or they get home, that's when they can make a call. Like that is when. And they have to rely on the answering machine. And honestly, so many things in Sex in the City, so many issues could have been – Figured out if they had cell phones earlier. But also, it does make me feel a little bit like, oh, I wonder what my life would be like if I relied on my answering machine and not on like constantly feeling like I need to text people back immediately. And it's just an interesting thing. And I actually, so when I was thinking about this, I wrote this down and I was doing some Googling and I found this article called 22 Things That Would Change If Carrie Bradshaw Had a Goddamn Cell Phone funniest title ever. I don't remember who published this, but I'll have it linked in the show notes so you guys can read all of them, but I highlighted 3 of them that I thought were super interesting and also funny. If you guys watch Sex and the City as religiously as I have, but the first one that I read and I, this was what sealed the deal for me and I was like, "Wow, cell phones would have changed everything." That one episode when it was Carrie's birthday dinner and she shows up to the birthday dinner late, walks in and he, like goes to the host stand and they're like and she's like, "Oh, is everyone here and The host is like, no, you're the first one here. And she's like, oh, wait, I was late. And Carrie's like, always late. She sits down at her birthday dinner and no one's there. And she like keeps getting drinks. No one's there. No one's there. So she ends up going home and drops the cake in the middle of the street. And it's like a whole fiasco. And she like gets in the shower. And then finally, like her friend's – come and find her and are like, I'm so sorry. And like all the answering machine messages, like if she, if they all had phones, like cell phones, they could have texted her and let her know, hey, we're running late. Like that's classic. My friends and I, when we're going to brunch on like a Sunday or not even a Saturday and the brunch reservations for like 2 p.m. And 2 p.m. you'd think would be late enough. But if you went out the night before or you're just having a casual, like comfortable Saturday morning and you're cleaning and you're, just going shopping or whatever you do, like 2 p.m. can kind of be tough to swing. So my friends and I will always just text like, hey, sorry, running five minutes late, order me a mimosa, that sort of thing. Like if they had cell phones rather, they would have been able to tell Carrie, hey, we're running late. Sorry, I'll be at your birthday dinner soon, like that sort of thing. So that's the first one I saw. The second one is very, like a huge moment. They said the burger breakup post-it would be a frowny face emoji (laughs) instead. Or like he would have texted her. I've been seeing it so much on TikTok recently, like the things are going great and then they reveal the text and it's the guy being like, I'm just not that into you, which I will say it takes a lot of guts to send those texts. I don't even know if Berger would have sent one of those because we don't like Burger. Burger's a notorious guy that we don't like, but this is what they said in the article. They said the modern day post, it would definitely be a singular emoji and it would have caused our girl to throw her phone against the wall. I don't even think burger would have given her that. I feel like Berger would have just... Unfollowed her on Instagram or something. <laughs> okay, the third one, the last one I'll read, is classically about Mr. Big. Um, and it says, Big would never respond, but his read receipts, or is it red receipts? I still don't know. His red receipts would be enough. <laughs> and it said, instead of being flaky, he'd be the, the annoying guy who read her text and then didn't respond. He'd also be the kind of guy who'd leave the texting bubble for hours and then just send K. I'm like, that's so accurate. Like Carrie would send him a long message. I feel like Carrie would be the type to do like either like voice to text messages or whatever. And then he would just read it and then show up at her door, I feel like. I think he'd be that kind of guy. Or show up with a car, right? Anyway, I will link that article in the show notes, like I said, if you guys are interested in reading more. It's very funny, but also interesting because, I mean, I've grown up watching Sex in the City, as many people have. I've Been seeing it as being a bit more problematic as I've gotten older, like especially Carrie's friendship skills. But my life in the very same city that they lived in in the show could not look more different. And I know, obviously, it's a TV show, but the phone thing, it's a huge thing. Phones, quite literally, they rule our lives, they force humankind into a lot of change every single day like I was talking about earlier constant like new apps new people to talk to new trends a new wave of who's cool who's famous on these apps new celebrities being born every single day new millionaires being born every single day just so much new and so little time in which all this has changed I find myself just longing for those days when like I would have to wait till I got home from school and run to my home phone and call my friend's numbers that I knew by heart. And I was actually also talking about this on my other podcast about how I would be so scared if I was calling like my friend Lauren and I was scared that I, I would get her brother, like her brother would answer the phone. And I was so scared of boys. So it's just like a different time, okay? Like it was obviously less convenient in a lot of ways to live like that and not be able to just answer your email while you're walking to work instead of having to get there early or just not knowing what's waiting for you. But I mean, a lot of a lot of things were missed, but also like I do long for it. I wish life was a bit slower, more one thing at a time sometimes and less, like how much can I get done in a day, which is a very New York lifestyle. Like I definitely chose this life of getting a lot of things done in a day all at once, but I'm trying to strike a balance with it and figure out and ask myself more, stop to ask myself more. Am I happy or am I just making the most of this situation because I want to be grateful? could I get myself into a different situation? Like, is this just kind of uncomfortable some of the time or is it largely toxic and I need to end this chapter and find a new one? And it's tough. I I think this is one of those dilemmas that we all deal with. Some people in harder situations than others, obviously. And I do stop myself and hate myself for even mulling over this because I feel like I should just be so grateful all the time. But it does it weighs heavy on my heart. And it it is something you should think about and talk about with your therapist or talk about with your friends or your, your parents and try to work through. So I think that also as you get older, you do get wiser. You do get more in control of situations. And I guess a little bit of your heart does have to be set towards hope and hoping that things will work out but it is a hard one. So anyway, this is the episode, everyone. (laughs) Hope you guys got some things from this that you can think about or just maybe feel a bit validated in how you feel. If you're kind of considering this question yourself, just know that a lot of us are right there with you and no one is 100%, okay? The 100% you see on social media, it's not always like that. And a lot of the time, it isn't even other people's intention to act like that. It just, it's kind of what we tell ourselves, I think the worst place to live sometimes is in my mind because I manufacture things all the time. I really I really make it hard for myself on a day-to-day because I compare myself ruthlessly and I'm always so obsessed, I guess, with how other people see me, but I'm also looking at other people and convincing myself they're one thing when they might not even be that at all. So anyway, food for thought. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. If you're here in the US or you celebrate Memorial Day, have a great weekend. I will talk to you guys all next week. Hopefully, I'll have some fun stories to share from the weekend. And yeah, everyone stay safe where you are, sending love out there, and I will talk to you guys all next Thursday. Bye.